There's no secret formula for scaling support and boosting customer satisfaction. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot. It makes it infinitely easier to scale customer support and increase retention. By bringing service and support together in one powerful platform, you can deliver the best experiences for your customers and your teams. Free up time for your reps to focus on complex issues with an AI-powered help desk. Proactively drive retention with customer health scores that help keep your business ahead, stopping churn in its tracks. And give your entire go-to-market team the data they need to operate as one unified, powerful front. Also, you can better connect with customers and keep them happy. Secrets out. HubSpot Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. Good morning, everyone. This is Mark Dent, and you're listening to a special edition of the Hustle Daily Show. Normally on this podcast, we tell you all about the latest in business and tech news. Today, we've got something a little bit different cooking for you. We actually have an interview with Chris Matthews. Matthews is a successful entrepreneur in a highly exclusive field. It might even be one that you don't realize exists. Matthews teaches some of the best athletes in the world to shoot a basketball. He is a shooting coach. In addition to some of those athletes, he also teaches celebrities, people like Mark Cuban, Drake, a lot of people that you've heard of. Now, you might be wondering, if you're not a huge sports fan, why would we be so interested in a shooting coach? But I'll give you a few statistics here. So if you go back about 40 years to the early 80s, late 1970s, that was when the NBA introduced the three-point shot. And back then, hardly anybody wanted to shoot. There were maybe two, three, four three-pointers attempted in a single game. That number rose steadily through the mid-2000s to where there were around 15 or 16 three-point shots attempted. But last year, there were 34 three-point shots attempted per game. Average. NBA execs, NBA players, they all realize how important the three-point shot is. And fans do as well. People are in love with the three-point shot. And Chris Matthews is riding that wave. Chris Matthews, thank you so much for joining us today on the Hustle Daily Show. How are you? I'm doing good. So we're talking right now. It's late March when we're having this conversation. The NCAA tournament is in full swing. The NBA preparing for the home stretch playoffs are about to begin in a couple of weeks as we speak. Yeah. And I think when people turn on their TVs this time of the year, they are inundated with a barrage of great shots. I've seen some logo three-pointers, clutch free throws. To start things off with you as a shooting coach, what exactly does that mean? What do you do? Yeah, so basically a team or a player or agency or, or the person will hire me to help a client. Let's do a small example. So if I have to train Sabonis. And you mean DeMontis Sabonis of the Kings, right? Yes, he's one of my clients. So he reached out to me as the season was ending last year and said, hey, bro, I want to figure out the dynamics of the mid-range jump shot and I want you to help me change my free throw. I'm not looking to take a lot of threes, but I want to learn about the concept of the three-pointer. So perfect. So I'll watch filming them on Synergy, take notes. And then when I get with that client, I'll break down the entire aspect to their game. And that's something that a lot of people don't understand about my training. The way that I train Sabonis is not the same way that I train uh, Grayson Allen. Right. You know what I mean? It's not the same way that I train a Cole Anthony. So I literally change my entire formats to help that person in their particular systems and to teach them every single aspect that can help them with the art of shooting. Yeah. And you mentioned, uh, of course, Grayson Allen there. 
Cole Anthony, a couple of other NBA players. I think you've also been a shooting coach for Skylar Diggins-Smith, who's one of the best players in yep. the WNBA. Who else have you worked with over the years? Yeah, it's, it's been a blessing. You know, over the years, they're not my clients anymore, but I've worked with Kyle Kuzma for two years. I've worked with Dwight Howard. I've worked with Avery Bradley. I've worked with Quinn Cook. I've worked with Anthony Davis. My clients this year are Bobby Portis, Grayson Island, Grant Williams, Cole Anthony, um, Sabonis, Michael Porter Jr., Catavius Caldwell-Pope, in which mm -hmm. Catavius Caldwell-Pope and Michael Porter Jr. are top 10 in the NBA right now in three-point percentage. So it's just a blessing to just be able to help people with the art of shooting. But most importantly, I like to help people get more generational wealth for themselves. Right. I love to see clients, just like Skylar, not only reach her goals for first team WNBA, but make more money in brands, make more money in contracts and stuff like that. And it feels like I'm making more money because that client is winning in their own particular yeah. way. I want to talk a little bit more just about your path. Before you were teaching a lot of these basketball players, you were a basketball player yourself. You grew up in Washington, D.C., so how was basketball part of your life early on when you were growing up? How did you get into it? You know, a lot of people don't know I actually bowled, played baseball and played football on top of basketball. So basketball wasn't my first love at first. Okay, bowling. Interesting. Yeah. My dad used to love to bowl and my uncle Arnold, he's like a bowling fanatic and my cousin Tavon are like bowling fanatics. Uh -huh. And I used to go with them every Saturday to bowl. So one Saturday, I'm like, I keep coming. Let me join the kids league. So I started bowling and I never looked back. I was bowling all the way up to like my... My 10th grade year in high school, but I had to stop because in baseball, I was using my right hand at center field and bowling. I'm using yeah. my right arm and football. I'm using my right arm to throw the ball and in basketball, I'm using my right arm. So my arm was always like just going dead. Oh, right. Or, Completely different motions. Yeah. So my dad had me pick one sport and it came down to basketball. My 10th grade year, I went to National Christian Academy where I played with Kevin Durant, Patrick Union Jr. Yeah. I was lucky enough that going into my ninth and 10th grade year of high school, I I could actually shoot the basketball really well. So I had DeMatha, I had Paul the Six, I had Riverdale Baptist, I had Gonzaga, all of them wanted to sign me to come to their private schools, but I decided to go to National Christian Academy where that's where the whole machine works, just basketball. Yeah, yeah. So once I started getting into it and I realized like this is going to be my life, but I, I really didn't truly love the game until I just picked basketball. So when you picked basketball, were you a good shooter or was there a time when you kind of felt like, hey, I've got something here with my shot in particular? Yeah, I've always been a great shooter in middle school. I was like top five in the DMV area. In high school, I was always top four. So I've always been a great shooter. Shooting was never my problem. It's just I was playing so many sports yeah. until me and my dad sat down and said, you know, you have to just pick one sport because you know, you're killing your right arm. Yeah. Yeah. And who taught you to shoot? Or did you kind of teach yourself? What was it like for you yeah. as a teenager? Yeah, my dad told me how to shoot at a young age. I used to be afraid to shoot the basketball. So he would take me to the outdoor courts at Rudolph Playground mm -hmm. to just get up a lot of shots. But he wouldn't let me shoot on the 10-foot court. He would have me shoot on the small hoops because when I was younger at Rudolph Playground, they had the hoops for kids and they had the big hoops for the adults. So I used to be mad at my dad, like, damn, man, like, why can't I shoot on the big hoop? And he's like, well, I'm trying to teach you the form. I'm trying to teach you how to have mechanics. And as a young age, you know, I was kind of like brushing my dad off. And then I used to realize when I would play in the games on the big hoops, I would shoot so well because my wrist was so strong because I was shooting the right way on the mini hoops. And now as I got older, I realized why my dad wouldn't let me shoot 
on such high rooms because he wouldn't let me throw the basketball. Yeah. You know, and for him and, you know, and Coach Nutt and different people that took the time to help me with the art of shooting, if it wasn't for those people in my life, I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah. And so after high school, you played college basketball at Washington State University as well as St. Bonaventure University. What happened after college? What path did you go on? Yeah, a lot of people, especially on social media, they just think I just started playing basketball when Instagram was invented. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, I played two years at Washington State where I went to the Sweet 16 with Tony Bennett. Who's now at the University of Virginia, one of the top coaches. Yeah, and when I was with him, he won Coach of the Year. So what people don't understand is I've always been on winning teams. And when I try to do the NBA route, it's not easy. A lot of people say, you know, Lethal, if you're so good, you would be in the NBA. But, you know, everybody doesn't make it to the NFL. Everybody doesn't make it to the NBA. But it's about staying your course and path in life. And that's why I never gave up. And I played in China. I played in Russia. I played in Mexico. I played in all these numerous places. Yeah. What was that experience like? Yeah. Because I've heard when I've talked to some athletes in the past and, you know, of course, read stories of people who play overseas, I get a lot of mixed sort of stories, right? Some people love it. Some people are terribly homesick. Yeah. What was it like for you? It was awesome, you know, because me, I love to travel. I love to taste new food. I love to see different things. So I was really never homesick. I was just hungry, like you're saying, to try to make it to the NBA. I played in the G League. Yeah. And just for our listeners real quick, the G League is like the developmental league of the NBA. Yeah, My coach told me to not leave for Mexico, but I was just being impatient because I was playing behind Blake Ahern, an assistant for the Memphis Grizzlies right now. And the week that I left from Mexico, Blake Ahern got the call up to the Utah Jazz. Sometimes you have to be patient. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that was one of those opportunities I should have been patient. And like you're saying, overseas is not built for the week. You know, when I was living overseas, there was a lot of guys that were Americans that were on my teams that would quit because they didn't understand the culture. And like you're saying, they were getting homesick. So anybody who thinks it's easy, you know, they got another thing coming. Like you're saying, yeah. I played overseas for seven years. I played in France. I played in Switzerland. I played in China. I lived in South America. But they don't know that about me. They just think that I just started playing basketball when Instagram was invented. Yeah. You mentioned so many countries there. Is that just because you're chasing the opportunity that comes, maybe a bigger paycheck, a better opportunity yeah. for playing time? Like, why do people truly globetrot when they play overseas? The way the overseas works sometimes, some of their seasons end a certain way and you go right to another country to play. You're trying to go to the, the country or the team that's going to give you, of course, the most money. And that's the mistake that I made. At that time, the G League, I was basically making nothing back then. You know what I mean? And people just don't know about the grit and toughness it takes to make it all the way to the NBA. So when I see certain athletes, if they don't make it professionally doing anything, that doesn't mean they're a failure. They just didn't make it to that particular spot. I feel like in life, you're a failure when you give up on your goals. Like, of course, I can't play in the NBA right now, but I didn't give up on my goals because I'm still in the rim of basketball. I'm still right. giving the world and my energy towards basketball. And I feel like that's what God put me here to do. Yeah. So seven years playing overseas, you know, for everybody who plays basketball at some point, you know, you, you got to stop because yeah. you can't play all your life. Maybe LeBron will actually change that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. LeBron's <laughs> going to play until he's 60. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but for everyone else, you know, you were saying earlier about like these choices you have to make and that's what you had to do. And so when your career ended there, what did it feel like to know that you have to pivot in some sort of way? And what did you try to do? Yeah, I was always prepared for that because the one thing that my dad always told me when he was alive, 
you know, you have to use basketball. You know, you can't allow basketball to use you. And so I was actually the first person in my family to graduate from college. Yeah. So I was always prepared to, if basketball didn't work, that I can do other things. Because I love basketball, but I'm not just a basketball player. I was a teacher's assistant really? at Needwood Academy in Montgomery County. I've done all type of work. And so this was after your basketball overseas, yeah? After mm-hmm. playing pro to try to figure out what do I really do? I was a high school basketball coach, bro. We went all the way to the championship and lost by two points. I've done so many things that people don't know that I've done after basketball because I knew whatever it was, I wanted to be given back to other people, if that makes sense. So it's just once I realized, you know what, I don't really want to be a coach because I really don't want to be at a college or be on an NBA team. I think I want to be a trainer. So I started training and I realized This is my calling to help people learn what I have mastered. A lot of athletes, when basketball or football or something's over, they're like stuck in the wind because they don't know what to do. And that's why it's Mm -hmm. very important to have other skills. And that's the thing about me. If I stop being a trainer today, my life won't stop because I would love to go back to be a teacher or I would love to go back and be a high school coach or something of that nature. So, you know, it's very important, like you're saying, to have that plan after sports. Yeah. So... After having several of those other jobs, you did realize you wanted to be a trainer. And obviously your top skill was and is shooting. And so you started to look into becoming a shooting coach, which I imagine it's also very difficult to prove that you are a good enough shooting trainer to coach players in the NBA. So how did you do that? Yeah. What was like step one? I wouldn't say there was a lot of proving because, you know, my peers that I grew up with, They see Instagram, but they know who I really am. They know how I really can shoot. But I do get challenged. And and a good example is about five, six months ago, I was with Kevin Garnett. And Kevin Garnett was like, you know what? I see a lot of stuff on social media, but I want to see you shoot in person. And I'm like, damn, man, I got on jeans. Like, I don't, I don't, I can't can't do this right now. He was like, no, I want to see you shoot. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to show Kevin Garnett that I can shoot. So I started shooting. And long story short, that's when Kevin Garnett was like, damn, man, it's really real. I broke the world record. It's called Run the Racks. I did it with Red Bull. And to have Ray Allen, you know, Rip Hamilton, Allen Houston, Craig Hodges, those type of people comment on my shooting abilities, I don't take it for granted at all. It's like a dream come true. I didn't make it to the NBA But to have those type of people say, you know what, bro, you can really shoot the basketball. It makes me feel like I am an NBA player sometimes. But I'm not cocky in a way that I feel like I'm better than anybody. But it's just to have those type of people of excellence with the art of shooting comment on my page and say, you know what, you can really shoot. It's a dream come true. Yeah. What was kind of like the first real break you got in this part of your career? Yeah, I would say my real break was when Kevin Serafin, he hired me to help him. And he was a former player on the Knicks, is that correct? Yeah, he was a former player on the Knicks, and he had me move to Paris. You know, Kevin Serafin was playing pro since he was young. He said, bro, I've been with all the shoot. I've been with, this is the best I've ever had in my life. So Kevin did a post about my training. And then that's when all these other NBA players started hitting me up. So I said, Kevin, you know, Dwight Howard just reached out. And Kevin, with him being my friend, he said, look, bro, that's Dwight Howard. I know you're living in Paris. If you want to go to him and come back, you can go. I was like, you sure? He was like, go ahead to him and then come back and help me. So I went to Dwight Howard. I was with Dwight Howard for like four weeks. And Dwight was like, this is the best analysis and best learning I've ever had ever for my free throws. He was like, can I hire you full time? And I'm like, damn, they both saying that I'm a good coach, but I'm still delusional, if that makes sense. Yeah. And just real quick to interject for our readers, Dwight Howard was, you know, NBA all-star, yeah. has played in the NBA finals, yeah. et cetera. 
So that year I helped Dwight, it was like he was breaking so many monumental things with the artist shooting for free throws. And then that next year, that's when I started getting more clients. And next year, and the next year. And then now, that's where I am now, where God is so good. You know, three years ago, KCP won the championship. He was top in the NBA. Bobby Portis just won the championship. He was top in the NBA. Grant Williams, yep. if the Celtics would have pulled that game off for the Warriors, Grant Williams <laughs> would have won it last year. So I've been doing pretty good of molding certain players to get prepared for the big moment. And like I was saying before, brother, I never look back at training Kevin Serafin and realizing that this will be my life right now. But if you're consistent and you believe in yourself, especially how negative this world is right now, you can do anything you put your mind to if you're positive in your own mindset. Yeah. And so it sounds like you just had a really, really good opportunity with Kevin Serafin and you did a good job and then kind of word of mouth built on your skills. Yeah, not for sure. But I'll say the first person that will always bring it up, but I was ignoring them like hell. I don't know why, but it was John Thompson. Rest in peace. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's the former coach of Georgetown University. Absolute legend. Yeah. So when we used to work out at Georgetown, he will always tell me, you're going to be a good coach. And what people don't know is Georgetown was the first school when I was coming back as a pro to train at Georgetown. They offered me an assistant coaching job, but my only job would be to be the shooting coach. Uh I said, you know, all due respect, Coach John, I'm not looking to be no coach. Like, I'm not looking to do this. So he said, okay, look, I want you to help LJ Peak. LJ Peak is about to go play in the Junior Olympics uh, for us, and he needs help with blah, 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 blah. I said, look, I don't got time for that. He said, listen, just help him a little bit. We'll see what happens. LJ Peak goes over with the Olympic team. He kills it, shoots crazy. But remember, I still wasn't in my right mind. I'm like, oh, yeah, good job. Now, as I got older, I was like, Coach John saw something in me way back then before I saw it in myself as a coach. Yeah. Because I would always, every time I was hooping and I'm done, I'll say, hey, Jeff Green, don't do this. Don't do that. Hey, bro, don't do this. I was doing it, but I was doing it naturally, but not trying to be a coach. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a question just regarding shooting and coaching. So NBA players, you know, they train all the time. They're obviously among the most talented athletes in the world. Why do they still need shooting coaches? Anything that you do great, comes through repetition. And if you're the best, you're not the best by yourself. You're the best because you have somebody making sure Mm -hmm. that you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. And that's why Serena Williams has a coach. You know, there's no top athlete in the world that doesn't have somebody that's on them and making them uncomfortable to continue to take their game to the next level. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people, especially youth, especially people who aren't at the top level mentally to understand why these people got here, you have to know, yes, I'm not in the NBA. But when I watch somebody shoot, I know what they're doing wrong, how to fix it. And I know how to watch their rep that every single time they need to shoot the same shot every single time. I can see it in a split second. So it's very important that if anybody's listening to this and they want to be great, you have to have that mentor. You have to have that one person that's pushing you to the next level. And if you don't have that, how will you be great? Yeah. You were saying earlier that a lot of people think that you just came of age with the age of Instagram, which, as we know, is not true. Yeah. But Instagram, nevertheless, you're on there. And uh, you have, I think, 2 million plus followers. Yeah, you know, God is good that I was able to use my platform in a way to show my gift. And I feel like if you have a gift out there, social media is a great way to show your gift. I've been able to use my shooting ability to grasp my goals, if that makes sense. I just went back to my college at St. Bonaventure where they honored me because I still hold Mm three-point records 
remember, I only played there for two years. The other players that hold all the records, they played there for four years. So that was a dream come true. And I feel like social media helped with that as well, because if you're on social media and you're just on there being negative, I think you're using social media wrong now. Because if you look at the biggest people in the world, social media is playing a huge part of their life. Yeah. I like to show my clients accolades on social media so I can get other clients. I've never would have thought in a million years that I'll have 2 million plus followers on social media and people that actually look up to my shooting abilities. Man, I would have never dreamed that. Yeah. So did you just start posting like just things that you felt displayed your personality, displayed yeah. your business before you had 2 million followers, you know, when you were just having maybe 200 or whatever, yeah. what were you doing? Yeah. So you remember Instagram used to just be photos. So I would like post stuff from overseas, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then when they started doing videos, I actually just shot. I was in a gym with one of my friends. His name is uh, mm -hmm. Chug. And I said, bro, I'm just going to post a shooting video. I don't know what it's going to do. But it went crazy. Like people were in the comments like, yo, my God, like your form and your blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, hold up now. I might be on to something. So I did another shooting video and that went crazy. As I haven't looked back since. And like I said, that was like eight, nine, 10. I don't know how many years ago, but it was so many years ago that that happened. And once I felt that that was my niche, yeah. I stuck with it because I've been shooting my whole life. I've been shooting like this since I was like eight years old, seven years old, but I never recorded myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I remember... There were times with Coach Nutt, if I shoot 100 mid-range jump shots, I had to make 85, but we weren't recording. So now I can go on live, brother, and make 75 out of 85 shots and people are losing their minds. Yeah. And for people who are listening, if you do not follow Chris yet, if, if you do take a look at his Instagram account, what you'll see is, of course, some names of people we've already been talking about, like DeMontis Sabonis on there, Grayson Allen. But you'll also notice Mark Cuban. Yeah. There are a lot of people who aren't just basketball players who've wanted to learn yeah. how to shoot from you. I, I think uh, Drake yeah. also. Why is it you think that shooting appeals to people who aren't just basketball players? Yeah, well, everybody has that escape. I don't know if you play golf. I don't know if on your spare time you like to play video games, but everybody loves some basketball. Yeah. And the first person to ever reach out to me outside of that rim was 21 Savage. So I was living in Atlanta mm -hmm. when I was helping Dwight and I, I got a message at like midnight and, it, and I was like, oh, who the hell is this? And it was 21 Savage. I don't know how he got my number. But he was like, yo, I want to get some shots up. I'm like, hey, say no more. I got a gym. We're going to go right yeah. now. So we went to the gym at like one in the morning. And since 21 Savage did that, it was no looking back. That's when I started training so many celebrities. You know, like you're saying, from Drake to uh, Corday to Flea, Machine Gun Kelly, you know, Jamie Foxx, Marlon Wayans. Bad Bunny hit me up. Him and Noah said they want me to come to Puerto Rico to train their team. And I'm like, dang, like, of course, like I'll do this because I do this for NBA teams. But to have somebody of that caliber reach out to me to just, hey, man, we trust you. We trust your services and we want you to help our guys. Who ever thought, you know, this kid from Washington, D.C. will be doing what he's doing right now. But, you know, with consistency and living your life the right way, man, anything is possible for sure. Yeah. Do you think people just like to shoot the ball and to shoot it well, do you think? Is that why people just reach out to you? I'll say people reach out to me because they know I'm a, I'm a good trainer and they know, respectfully, I know what I'm talking about. So I know how to help the person master the art of shooting. And like you said, a good example was Mark Cuban. 
Mark Cuban's been around a basketball game for how long? He's been yeah, around Dirk Nowitzki. He's been around Steve Nash. He's been around the best of the best. And for somebody like him to say, hey, man, you know, I want you to show me some tips. Mark Cuban, that was like a dream come true. You know what I mean? Because he's been around all these people. He still wants to learn. And to piggyback off that, you know, Mark Cuban, I was training him, but he motivated me. Yeah, He was making me understand why I am good at what I do. And I feel like what people might say on my page, oh, Lethal Shooter is just training celebrities. People don't know I do stuff for the community. I do so much stuff. It's just I don't post my entire life, if that makes sense. You know, just in two weeks from now, I'm going back to the D.C. area to host the police versus community game to try to stop gun violence. And so I just want people to know as well, it's not just about the celebrities, but yes, it's a blessing to train these type of people because they want to get stimulated outside of their normal life. You know, people like Mark Cuban, he has so much pressure to run a team, he wants to shoot sometimes. So if I'm that person that they want to lean on to do that, I'm here. I feel like God put me on earth to help other people just have a good time, especially with the art of shooting. Yeah, so I think that's a really interesting message for people. If you're stressed out, maybe if you feel stuck, maybe shoot a basketball. Yeah, that's why people play golf. People go to the golf course to clear their mind and hit the ball. And I feel like that's what basketball has done, especially the art of shooting. The art of shooting, to me, training-wise, has turned into like playing golf. Like people go to the gym to shoot the basketball the same way they go to the golf course to hit the ball. Yeah, okay. Who is your favorite shooter, retired, playing, living dead, or alive? Anyone. Who's your favorite? I think the best shooter of all time is Steph Curry. I think the best form of all time is Klay Thompson. I think the best mid-range shooter of all time is Kevin Durant. But my all-time favorite shooter is probably Craig Hodges. And tell us again who Craig Hodges, what era is he? So Craig Hodges played for the Bulls. He won, I want to say about four or five championships. He won two or three back-to-back-to-back three-point contests. He was the main motivation for me to do run the racks because he held the three-point record for the three-point contest. And what people don't know is Craig Hodges was my coach for one of my pro teams. And I used to sit up with Craig Hodges till like five in the morning, just talking about the game, talking about how to master my game. He changed my footwork. He changed my mindset to the art of shooting. And the way that he was tapping into my mental for those games was a dream come true. He's my hero. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for this conversation. Thanks for coming on with me today to chat. It's been great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Whenever you need to talk again, I'm here for you, man. It was, this was a good conversation. And thanks all of you for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig and our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. If you're not subscribed, go get signed up at thehustle.co slash email. We'll see you tomorrow. Hey, everybody. I got a great podcast to tell you about. It's called Truth, Lies, and Work. And it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. On this show, you can join husband and wife team Alan, Leanne, Elliot as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. They actually just did an episode with John Smith, who is the manager and agent of famous Argentinian soccer player Diego Maradona. 
He talks about in this episode how he was able to manage the global superstar athlete celebrity that Maradona is and was. It's a great listen. You better get out there and check it out. And you can listen to Truth, Lies, and Work wherever you get your podcasts. 